Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's message with teaching pastor Daryl Feemster. Good morning. We are so glad that you're with us this morning. If you're a visitor, we just want to welcome you. Uh, We have a gift uh, bag out in the foyer for you. If this is your first time, we'd love for you to pick one of those up on your way out. If you didn't get one on your way in, it just has a little bit more information about the church and a small gift from us to you. Well, before we get into worship this morning, I want to share a passage with you from Isaiah chapter 14. Uh, and as you all are aware, we've been uh, just inundated with uh, all kinds of, of information from news and uh, Facebook and all the social media. Everywhere we look, there's something about what's going on in the political uh, realm in our nation right now. And as you know, uh, this Tuesday is going to be uh, our election day when Uh, Hopefully by November 4th, it's over. Um, But I was reading an article this week, and it said that people are actually more anxious, more stressed out um, over over the current state uh, of politics right now than they were after 9-11. And that just really kind of, in one way it surprised me, in another way it didn't. Um, And what it really brought to my mind was when you don't have your hope and your trust in the Lord, then you look at these things and the only thing you can trust in is the state of man. Well, the state of man is bad. It's, it was bad yesterday, it's bad today, and it's going to always be bad. The only way our state is improved is with a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so Isaiah fourteen twenty four answers, uh, I think, those worries and those fears. It says, the Lord of hosts has sworn... As I have planned, so it so, so shall it be, and as I have purposed, so shall it stand. God's already figured it out, and it's going to work out the way he said it would, and we can put our hope and our trust in that. And whatever the results are, God is still on his throne. And I don't know about you, but that's who I want to praise this morning, the God that has all of my hope, all of my trust, and I'm not anxious and I'm not afraid because I trust him. And I hope you do too this morning. Let's uh, stand and praise him this morning. If you have your Bibles and you want to turn there, you can turn to uh, Daniel and also to Galatians chapter 5. Daniel chapter 1 and Galatians chapter 5. We'll get there in a moment. Well, did you enjoy your extra hour sleep? Time did change, right? (laughs) Welcome to November. How many of you thought, how many of you thought you'd never see November? Right? 2020. Didn't think you'd ever get here. Yesterday was Halloween. 2020 has felt like a year of Halloween. Somebody said, yeah, we've been celebrating Halloween a long time. We're all wearing masks and eating candy for the last eight months. And it shows. But these are momentous days that we're in. Tuesday, as Pastor Chris shared with you, we will be hosting as a polling place here in our foyer for the city of Lampasas and for the area of Lampasas for voting. Probably most of you have already voted. I think it was 90 million people have voted already, early voting. If you have not, please, please do so on Tuesday. I believe, and it's my personal belief, that voting is a statement of faith. 
It's declaring how I see God's hand in the direction of our nation for the coming years. I can stand for the principles of God regardless of how the election turns out. We are privileged to live in a nation with a constitution that states, we the people. We the people of the United States. The preamble to the Constitution says, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for a common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, we ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. We the people. John Jay, the first Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, wrote in 1793, the people are the sovereign of this country. Don't give up your authority in this time of elections. That's a free public service announcement. There's little doubt that our nation is in days of turmoil and chaos. Folks, listen, there's a war going on between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of God. And uh, we know who wins. But that doesn't mean that we're not in the battle. And it doesn't mean that we're not in a spiritual war and it's being carried out in our day. I trust if you're a follower of Christ that you want to make a difference. That you want your life to count. Probably the reason our nation is in the shape It's in is because God's people are more interested in leaving this world than making a difference in it. You are saved to be a display of the glory of God in a world that desperately needs Him. God wants to conform you to the image, the very image of His Son, Jesus Christ. And you're not left to this by yourself. In other words, upon your own power. The Holy Spirit indwells every believer to empower, gift, and manifest the very life of Jesus through you. But you do have a part in it. Have you figured out yet that if you're really going to make any kind of difference, you're going to have to get a grip on yourself? Get a grip. That may be too old for some of you young people. I want you to know there's a Greek word for that. We'll talk about it in just a minute. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, how do we make a difference? How do we get a grip on ourselves? The Apostle Paul says, I say then, walk in the Spirit and you will not or you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I, uh, I, I enjoy different uh, versions of scripture i enjoy because they're reading different versions there's a new one that i found that i've been reading in my my daily quiet times and, and those like and it's called the voice and and galatians 5 16 and 17 in the voice says this it's going to be on the screen here's my instruction walk in the spirit and let the spirit bring order to your life if you do you will never give in to your selfish and sinful cravings for everything the flesh desires goes against the spirit capital S, and everything that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit desires goes against the flesh. There's a constant battle raging between them that prevents you from doing the good that you want to do. And I want you to know, not only is there a battle in this world going on between light and darkness, there's a battle going on in your mind, in your body, in your emotion, and that battle is real. 
Verse 19 of Galatians 5 in the New King James says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. In other words, I could go on. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Doesn't that sound like 2020? But, but, verse 22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. The message version says it this way, but what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives much the same way the fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Legalism is helpless in this, in bringing this about. It only gets in the way. Now, in Galatians 5.23, there's a word that just kind of stands out for me. I was uh, in in the Justice Life Group that I attend. We were watching a video, and and Graham Cook talked about this thing about self-control. And it started me on a journey to seek out, okay, God, what are you saying in this, the self-control? What does self have to do with Fruit of the Spirit. And uh, I'm going to share with you over the next few weeks some of the stuff I'm learning uh, because I think you need to know it too. The Greek word self-control, that, that word stands out for me. You know, I can understand love, joy, peace. all I, You know, those are kind of just good. And then you say self-control. In other words, control myself. I'm the only one that has that problem, right? In other words, do you know that literally can be translated, get a grip. The word, the Greek word used here is ingratia. Say that with me. Ingratia. One more time. You just spoke Greek, right? Ingratia. It's made up of two Greek words. In, which means within, and kratos, which means power. It means to have power within or power over your passions. It means to be self-governed, to rule or control yourself. I love the message. It means to be able to marshal and direct your energies wisely. Anybody need that? We'll never be able to genuinely influence our world until we know how to walk in the Spirit to the extent that we govern ourselves. Understand that this is the outflow of the life of the Spirit within. Legalism, I'm not talking about working something up. I'm not talking about trying harder. Legalism is helpless to bringing this about, message says. It only gets in the way. It's walking in with and by the Holy Spirit. And so over the next few weeks, 
we're going to be looking at this self-control. Okay, how many of you promised to come back next Sunday? Say, oh man, I don't want to know about self-control. Yeah, we need to know about self-control. So we're going to be looking at this thing about self-control, but here's how we're going to be. We're going to be looking at it at, from the perspective of real people from Scripture who demonstrate that fruit. This morning we want to look at Daniel. Daniel, he's probably most familiar with us. We know that Daniel was in the lion's den, that Daniel got through into the lion's den. We also know about the book of Daniel because of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. But there's so much more to Daniel than that. I really encourage you, if you've not read the, the book of Daniel, Daniel, the, the prophecy in, in, of Daniel, they, he was one of the major prophets. And I found out the reason they called him a major prophet is because they have a long book. Minor prophets have a short book. Daniel was a, was gave the prophecies. A lot of people are, are in the end times and all that. I'm not going to be talking about that. What I want you to see is how Daniel became the man he was. In other words, I want to talk about the how, not the what. The how. How did Daniel live in order to become the man that God made him to be? Daniel served through four dynasties or four governments. He served through four different kings. Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar in Babylon, Darius the Mede, and Cyrus the Persian. And we know that he served for at least 70 or more years. And But what I'm going to talk about is not all the things, because we can talk a lot, spend a lot of time, but what I'm specifically talking about is how Daniel lived his life. Because I think it'll teach us how the Holy Spirit is working in us to live. So I turn to Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. We're going to get there in just a moment. Daniel lived 600 years before Christ. He lived, he grew up in a time when Israel was ruled by kings that did evil in the sight of the Lord. And so in the fullness of time, God gave them over to Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king, who took Judah captive and he took all the treasuries out of the temple and took and put them in the treasuries of the Babylonian God. And in doing so, he took some young men to serve in the king's palace. And Daniel was one of those. And the king appointed for those young men that they would receive a daily provision of the king's delicacies, of the wine that the king himself would drink, and, and would go through three years of training, so at the end of that time of training they might serve before the king. Now all of that to set the foundation, because I want you to look at verse 8, because here's the first key. Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he had drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. He wanted to just, in other words, I don't want the king's delicacies, I don't want his wine, just give us vegetables and water. So Daniel said, but here's the point, uh, here's point number one, if you're taking notes. Self-control begins with a decision. Self-control begins with a personal decision. Daniel purposed 
And note the words, in his heart, that he would not defile himself. He purposed in his heart, the center of his being, in his spirit. Not just in his mind thinking, hey, how can I figure this out? Not, not out of emotion or not even out of stubbornness or rebellion. He wasn't really trying to take a stand. He didn't, he purposed not to defile himself before his God. It was a decision of the heart. Now, if you're like me, I'm going to move this up. I want to get closer to you. I want you to spit in distance. Actually, there's a squeak right here. Do you all hear it? I hear it. I need self-control. Daniel, where did he get this heart? Why would Daniel purpose in his heart not to defy? Now here's the thing that you've got to see. Daniel was a young man. We believe that he, the, kind of the historians believe that he was between the ages of 10 and 18 when he's carried off from Judah. So let's just say he's 13 or 14 years old. Daniel's 13 or 14. How many 13-year-olds do you know that would be taken away from their host, taken to another place that would purpose in their heart to serve God? So what happened in Daniel's life that he would purpose? In other words, he was in junior high. Anybody here in junior high? Yeah. He purposed in his heart. He made a decision when he was 13, 14 years old to not defile himself. Some of us are still in junior high. Not to defile himself. And I found it interesting. Daniel's name means God is my judge. Well, where did he get it? If you look back, and I went back to 2 Kings chapters 22 and 23, uh, Daniel must have been born during the time of King Josiah. Josiah was the last good king in Judah. And as we look at Daniel, we can see the positive fruits of Josiah's work. Josiah was crowned king at the age of eight. His grandfather, Manasseh, was the most evil king in all of Judah. His deeds, along with the people's deeds, were so corrupt that God decided to remove the people of Judah from the land. But in the 18th year of Josiah's reign, he would be 26 years old, the book of the law was found. And Josiah was key in instituting a massive program of religious education based on the principles of this newfound book of law. He removed the pagan altars. He removed the high places. And he led the nation to one final burst of glory. Daniel probably lived in that return to the Lord. What I'm trying to say is Daniel went to Babylon with a character and a foundation of faith with him. He started out right. Listen to me, young people. You can make decisions now that can last your lifetime. You can make decisions, you can, make, you can set purpose in your life with, between you and the Lord that can leave a legacy 
forever and ever and ever like Daniel. Self-control starts with a personal decision. Daniel lived up to his name. God is my judge. Can you imagine what it would have, what excuses we could have given for not being true to God? You're not in Jerusalem anymore. The temple is empty. The people are scattered. Daniel started not ashamed of God. He was taken from everything that would build up his faith place, and placed in a situation that would only serve to rob him of everything he believed. He was even given a Babylonian name from a pagan god. Belteshazzar was his Babylonian name, and it meant Baal, protect the king. Yet he made a decision, he purposed in his heart not to defile himself. But he's not in Jerusalem anymore. What kept him from giving up and giving in? I think he lived up to his name. God is my judge. Well, Jerusalem's no longer. You're not there anymore. The temple is empty. The people are scattered. Where's your God now, Daniel? And Daniel could say, right here. Right here. He lived up to his name. Not the king, not the public, Not even his own fears was his judge. He had a firmness of purpose in the strength of God and that was the secret of his success. Ten days later after this event in chapter 1, ten days later, the faces of Daniel and his young friends were fairer and fatter than the faces of any of those who had partaken of the king's king's meat. What I interpret that to mean is after eating the vegetables and water, they they had no zits. Chocolate gives you pimples, right? You understand, they lived according. They, their faces were fair and fatter. And after three years of training, they're brought before the king and he finds them ten times wiser than all the others because they had made a decision in their heart. They purposed not to defile themselves before God. Self-control begins with a personal decision. Number two, self-control grows with practice. It grows with practice. You see, it wasn't one decision that Daniel made. It was a beginning of decisions that he's going to make for the rest of his life. And practices that he was going to put into place in his life. And these practices develop Daniel into the man he becomes. You first see what he's practicing. The first thing is, uh, I think it's in chapter 2, Daniel, the king has a dream and it upsets him so much that he calls all of his magicians, his astrologers, his fortune tellers together and he tells them that they need to tell him what it means. And they say, tell us the dream and we'll give you the interpretation. But the king demands that they tell him the dream and the interpretation. And I thought, well, that's weird. Tell me the dream and the interpretation. But how many of you have had dreams? You knew you woke up upset, but you couldn't remember the dream. So Daniel, is he's upset, he's causing anxiety, and he tells his, his magicians, okay, you wise guys, 
I got you here. Tell me what I dreamed and tell me the interpretation of it. And understandably, his magician said, nobody can do what you ask and no king, great or small, has ever demanded anything like this. What you're asking is an impossible thing unless some God, and I love this, and they don't hang around people like us. And the king... Unless the God reveals it, it's just impossible. That's what they say. It's impossible. And the king, now listen, here's what you can do when you're king. He starts to kill all of his magicians and astrologers. He just says, if you can't tell me, then I'm going to cut you to pieces. And he starts in. And he's killing. And they go to get Daniel and his three friends. And they go to get Daniel and his companions, it's called. And Daniel says, what's, what's going on? And he says, well... We're waiting. We're, we, we need the king is killing up because they couldn't tell him his dream and his interpretation. And Daniel says this: Would you just give me a little time? Would you give me a little time, and I will come and give you the king his dream and the interpretation. So David gets permission to go, and here's what it, the scripture says: David goes home and he tells his companions. And they pray, asking God to show him the king's secret so that they might not perish like the other wise men. They go and they pray. They don't talk to others, they talk to God. And look at Daniel chapter 2 verse 19, it's going to be on the screen. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel prays and now he begins to worship. Daniel answered and said, Bless be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are His. And He changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and He raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what's in the darkness and light dwells with Him. I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and might and now have made known to me what we ask for you, of you. For you have made known to us the king's demand. David prays and he worships. Now I want you, I want, it's not like it's the first time he's prayed. It's not like the first time he's worshipped. But I want you to understand, he goes to God and he asks. I'm sure... I'm sure that this is familiar, but I want you to understand, I see that he got more than answers. He got a revelation of the God he served. The more he prayed, the more he worshipped. And the more he worshipped, the more he realized who God was. And God revealed. And Daniel goes before the king in verse 28, when the king's saying, oh, how, do you, how do you know this? Daniel says, it's not me, but there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. And he's made known to the King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the later, latter days. And he goes on to interpret the dream. So Daniel, a part of his practice was prayer and worship. But also, he walked in his integrity. And in Daniel chapter uh, 4, Daniel, then Nebuchadnezzar has another dream. And Daniel is called in because they know the Holy Spirit is with him. And they come in and and, and he asked him to interpret this dream. But Daniel's troubled in his spirit because he has the interpretation. And here's the thing I want you to see. That Daniel, though he, 
He got an interpretation. He didn't sugarcoat the, the interpretation to save himself. He walked in integrity. He stayed true to the word of the Lord that was revealed. He doesn't sugarcoat the meaning. It wasn't, and then the king was lifted up in pride, and he was, the whole thing was given that the Most High God, that, he, that the king would know that the Most High God rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. That's Daniel 4 25 through 27. That the Most High God rules. This is when Nebuchadnezzar is fixing to go out and he's going to be like an animal. He's going to lose his senses. And yet, because of the interpretation, he knows he's going to be restored to his kingdom because of what Daniel prophesies to him. But here's the thing I want you to see, that Daniel didn't sugarcoat the interpretation. How many of us are tempted to give them the good news? Well, here's what it says, but you know that came... But he says, here's what Daniel says, I wish that you would repent of your sin. In other words, turn from your sins that the mercy of God might be upon you, that this would not take place for you. May it be something that your enemies experience and not you. Daniel's heart for the king, and yet he was true to the word of the Lord. He walked in his integrity. Daniel studied the writings of the prophets. Daniel 9.2, it was through reading Jeremiah's prophecies that he understood that 70 years of captivity was coming to a close and began to pray to God concerning the return of his people and the rebuilding of the temple. And the one that we're most familiar with, Daniel doesn't waver in his practice. In other words, what he started as a young man, he continues into his old age. In Daniel chapter 6, we find that Daniel and Darius has come to the throne and Darius, now the Mede, he makes Daniel one of three governors over all the kingdom, over all the leaders of all the regions. His integrity had set him apart to the point. And here's what I want you to understand. Daniel served through four dynasties with integrity and he served without rebellion in his heart, without challenge. He served as unto the Lord and the Lord used him to change nations. His integrity set him apart to where the king wanted to make him ruler over all. So the governors and leaders got together to try to find some charge that could bring Daniel down. They wanted the dirt on Daniel. Sounds like 2020. But the only thing, they couldn't find anything. The only thing that could trap him, and it had to be a lawyer that came up with this, the only thing that they found that could trap him was with the law of his God. So they got the king to sign a decree they actually lied to the king. They said, all of us are in on this. Well, Daniel wasn't. But all of us are in on this. And they blew up the king's ego and got the king, who was about to make Daniel Lord, I mean, second only to him. And they got the king to sign a decree that for 30 days nobody, nobody could petition or go to or ask any other god or person than the king, Darius. And Darius thought it was a good idea. And if you, if you did, if they went to somebody else, they'd be thrown in the lion's den. Now you know the story. So they got Darius to sign the decree. And Daniel, and I love this, as was his custom. Look at Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. 
Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. Look at that. That was his custom since early days. It wasn't a rebellious thing that Daniel says, well, I'm going to show you king. It was what his custom was since his earliest days. Three times a day he would pray toward Jerusalem. He wasn't in Jerusalem anymore. He prayed toward Jerusalem because he had purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. And so when this edict came down from the king, he did as was his custom was. He went, he opened his windows. Now, somebody could have counseled him, why don't you go down to Egypt for 30 days? This will all be over. It will all blow over. But Daniel wouldn't compromise who he was to get out of danger or persecution. And so Daniel goes home. You reckon they had people planted to watch, to listen And they go straight to the king. Now the king is heartbroken because now Daniel, his one, his trusted advisor, his wise man, he can't change it because a decree is forever. And so he has to throw Daniel into the lion's den. You know the story now. Daniel, God, comes and closes the mouths of lions. Don't you wish God would close a few mouths now? He closes mouths of lions. And Daniel is brought out. Why would God close the mouths of lions? Because there was a man who had put into practice a decision that he had made as a little boy that he would not defile himself. God will defend the people who put him as Lord. You do know that everybody that came against him, all the other governors, all those got through into the line with their... The lions didn't miss a meal that day. And all their families. And Darius makes a decree, and I want to read it to you because it... It's it's Daniel chapter 6, verse 26 and 27. And he makes a decree and he writes it out to all peoples, to all nations, to all languages. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall endure To the end. Say that with me. To the end. He delivers and He rescues and He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. That decree needs to be our decree over America today. He is the living God, steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one that shall not be destroyed. His dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and He rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He, God, is our refuge. That's a life that makes a difference. Daniel. I can hear somebody say, yeah, but that was Daniel. I want to tell you, you have it better than Daniel. 
You have it better than Daniel. You have the Spirit of God living within you. Daniel had a... He he made a decision about a purpose. You have a person that you can participate with. He's at work in you both to will and to do God's good pleasure. The difference between you and Daniel may just be decision and practice. Daniel purposed in his heart and he practiced with spiritual disciplines that kept him looking to God instead of circumstances. Well, what did he practice? Fasting. Just give us vegetables and water. He pastored, he practiced prayer as was his custom from the earliest of days. He worshiped. He studied the prophets. He repented and confessed in Daniel chapters 9 and 10 when he realized that the 70 years of captivity, he identified with the people of Israel repenting of this past sins and asking God to, to rebuild and to take them back to the land. And he served. He served. Now listen to me. He practiced all of that before there was a need for it. He practiced it from the time he made a decision. Do you know what? We, we sometimes, Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel was 80, at least 80 years old when he was thrown in the lion's den. He had been practicing prayer for 80 years or at least 70 years. How many of you had Daniel as a young man thrown the lion's den? Yeah? In other words, what we're talking about is he made a decision he carried out in practice over a lifetime. And he served. He served the kingdoms as, as to the Lord. And God changed those kingdoms because of his service. Do you understand that is something you and I have the privilege and the opportunity to do? The difference is a decision and the practice. Now don't hear me saying you need to pray. It's not, it's a fruit of the Spirit. It is the outflow of the Spirit's indwelling presence and love and life for you. If you'll just learn to respond to the Spirit you will practice everything that's necessary for you to do to fulfill your destiny. I want to leave you with one one statement. A life of destiny is but the sum of the days of decisions to trust and respond to the Lord. You want to leave a legacy? Start practicing now. Things you don't even know you need. Because it's the practice that leads to the establishment of what God's purposed in your life. That legacy, that destiny, is but the sum total of today's decisions. Today's decisions. A purpose not to defile myself. That's self-control. God has a destiny for each and every one of us. He's inviting us to put it into practice. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, we ask you right now to speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, rise up within us. Lord, let us make decisions today that, we, that, that, that the practice of would lead to a, 
an incredible destiny. Holy Spirit, touch us. Move among us. Accomplish your work in us. We trust you. Help us to respond to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God is so good. You know, Jesus said before he left that God wouldn't leave us alone. He said, it's better that I go because I'm going to send you a helper. And that helper was the Holy Spirit. And the fruit, the singular fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, patience, peace, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And as Pastor Darrell shared this morning, self-control is the power within. And it's not us. It's not our positive thinking or right thinking. The power within is if we have accepted Jesus Christ, then he gives us the helper, the Holy Spirit, the power within to do everything that he has called us to do. And we can make a decision and purpose within our heart to hear, to know, and to respond. Amen. Well, before we go this morning, I just have a couple things I want to share with you. Uh, first of all, just uh, every month we've been giving y'all an update on the Generations Building that is for our youth and uh, children's ministry and, and heritage daycare. And we just want to give you a, an update this morning. Uh, as you can see, uh, we have raised at this point 725000 almost 726000 of the 849000 Yes, amen. Needed. And a few weeks ago, Pastor Darrell shared that in, Oct- in the month of October, we had one gift of $25,000 that came along with a lot of other smaller gifts. But what we have seen from the very beginning, and you can read the scripture there, Exodus 25, 1 through 2, that, that God gave us at the very beginning to speak to the people. And this was to Israel, but he gave this verse to us for this time and this project to speak to the people of New Covenant, to take for me a contribution from every man whose heart moves him. You shall receive the contribution for me and we just put that out and said pray ask God what you would do what he would lead you to do and we've uh, gotten gifts of of several dollars we've gotten gifts of $25 uh, $250 $2,500 last month $25,000 and you remember uh, last year late in the year we got one gift for $250,000 and it's not the amount it's not what someone's give God God blesses us all in different ways but he has then allowed us to purpose in our heart what he would have us give and it's added up to this and we've never had to stop the project he's been paying for it the whole way we have enough on hand right now to take us through the end of december um, and we now just need $123,000 to totally cover the whole thing. And if we if we get that and are able to continue without stopping, it'll be done in mid-February. Um, but as we've said from the beginning, it's going to be done when it's time, when God uh, has it. And so we just want to thank you. As you know, uh, we don't uh, pass an offering plate here. We have boxes in the back on the wall and in the foyer uh, where everyone gives their tithes and offerings and the generation's contributions. And we just want to thank each and every one of you that you have heard and responded and God has taken care of us in the middle not only just provided for our body to continue but above and beyond to do what he's called us to do so we want to thank you for that and give God all the glory and praise for that let's give him a a hand of praise 
And then just a couple other quick announcements. So tomorrow evening, we're going to have a night of prayer from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. We'd love for you to join us. It's just going to be a time to pray, to seek God, uh, to pray for his will. Uh, we pray as the Lord taught us to pray that his kingdom would come, his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's going to be our prayer tomorrow, not only for our nation, but throughout the world that God would do what he has planned. Um, and then this Saturday, November 7th from 7 to 8 p.m., we're going to have a throne room encounter. And we've had these every month for the past uh, four or five months or so. And this is just a time for us to come and give God praise, to give him glory, to worship him. And if you haven't come to one of those, I want to really encourage you to come to this one. And I want to say that we are going to give him praise no matter what happens on November 3rd. We believe God is going to do his will. And whatever that is, whether I have a way that I'd love for that to turn out, but if not, I'm going to praise God because his plan is being done. And I shared this scripture at the beginning, and I want to share it again. Isaiah 14, verse 24 says, The Lord of hosts has sworn, as I have planned, so shall it be. And as I have purposed, so shall it stand. The word that that Pastor Darrell shared this morning of Daniel, Daniel lived his entire life in a foreign land under every single one of those kings was a foreign king that ruled over Israel. It doesn't matter who God puts over us in a government. We still have to decide to choose to follow him. And we can do that in any circumstance and under any government. God is not uh, limited to who's in control. Not only is he not limited, he does it. And like we just read in Isaiah, he purposes it, he plans it, and there's no reason for us to be depressed one way or the other on Wednesday because God is in control and he's on his throne. And so we're going to pray for his will on Monday and praise him on Saturday for whatever that is. Amen. Amen. And then the last thing we have, uh, just want to remind you that we're collecting for the mission. Those papers are out in the foyer. Uh, you can get those. And we've got two more weeks. Everything will be due back Sunday, uh, November 15th. Um, and if you will, you go, just pick up the chairs on the left and right hand side. So for youth tonight at 5 p.m., if you've got a middle school or high school kid, uh, get them here for youth tonight. God bless you all and have a great week. Thank you for listening to this week's message. 